shall now return to the chapter which we read together, Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll take us our text tonight, verses 24 to 26. Hebrews 11 at verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. We have here Moses' choice. We all make choices. Choices in little things. When we'll go to bed, when we'll get up, what we will eat, what we will wear. Then there's bigger choices. What training we will do, what job we will do, who we will marry, where we will live. But then there's the biggest choice of all. What do we do with Jesus? Such an important choice. What think ye of Christ? Will we believe in him? Will we follow him? Or will we not? Some choose to reject Christ, to despise him, to curse and blaspheme. Some are atheists or agnostics. Some are defiant sinners. Now, it's unlikely that there's any like that here tonight. There are some and they choose Christ and they love Christ and they follow Christ. They repent of their sins and they believe in Jesus. And there are some like that here tonight. They choose Christ. He is to them the altogether lovely one, the chiefest among 10,000. They delight in him. They put all their hope and confidence in him. And no doubt there are some here tonight too who have not totally rejected Christ, who have not chosen Christ, but who are saying, well, I'd like to be a Christian one day. I'd like to be, yes, I would like to be converted. I wouldn't like to die unconverted. I believe the Bible. And I believe there's a heaven and a hell, a judgment day before us all. I believe we've got to make our peace with God and we need to believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. But I'm not ready for it yet. One day, when I'm a bit older, when I become an adult, When I finish my training, when I have a job, when I get married, when I'm middle-aged, 
when I've had my fill of life, when I've tried out this or that, then I'd like to become a Christian. There's some like that. And some, yes, many like that, who died intending to become Christians, but they never did. Someone said the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And there's lots of people who never meant to end up in hell, who wanted to get to heaven, but who never got round to it, who were too busy with their life, with their relationships, with their jobs, with their pleasures, too busily caught up in these things. Remember, there was a Roman governor to whom Paul spoke, Felix. Paul spoke to him of righteousness, temperance, judgment. Spoke to him about sin and the wrath of God and hell and the need to repent and the need to be saved. And Felix trembled. It rang true. It shook him up. Do you remember what he said? I will hear thee again on this matter when I have a convenient season. He never did have a convenient season. <clears throat> For the last 2,000 years, he's been in hell. So it's not enough to be concerned, interested, maybe even shaken up, convicted. We must personally repent of our sins, believe in Jesus, choose to follow the Lord, put our hope and confidence in the Savior who died at Calvary. We must be converted. And today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Now is the accepted time. Now you can be saved. Today Jesus is stretching out his hands to you and saying, come to me and be saved. And if you come, you will be saved. But tomorrow, the door may be shut. And when the door is shut, there'll be many who'll come knocking on it saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he shall say, depart from me. I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. Too late. Too late. Too late. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? Well, first of all, here tonight, we see Moses' refusal. What Moses refused. The author of the book, this epistle to the Hebrews, has been looking at the patriarchs, the great men and women of the Old Testament. And he's been noticing their faith. He's laying great stress upon faith. You see, faith is the one condition. 
We believe in the covenant of redemption and the covenant of grace. But there's a condition. Nobody is saved without faith. What must I do to be saved? Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By it, the elders obtained a good report. Enoch, we're told, was translated so that he did not see death and was not found because God had translated him. Before his translation, this was said of him, that he pleased God. Now, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh unto God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of him that diligently seeks him. So you've got to believe in God, and you've got to believe that God is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so you've got to come. And if you come, you'll be saved. Of course, at the same time, we know that faith is the gift of God. But that doesn't take away from the duty. Believe. The Bible says over and over again, believe, believe, believe. Repent and believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So here we're told by the writer to the Hebrews, we're told about Noah and how Noah believed the word of God, and believing the word of God, he built an ark for the saving of his house. And so he escaped the judgment that came upon the world. We're told about Abel. Abel, too, was saved by faith. By faith, he offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Cain came with a thank offering, but Abel knew he was a sinner. And he knew he needed a savior. And he believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as a savior. And so he came with a lamb of the flock and offered it up to God. He offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain and was justified. Then we're told about Abraham. Abraham heard the call of God. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. Unto a land that I will show thee, and I will be a God to thee, and to thy seed after thee. Abraham believed, and he left all and followed God, and he became the father of the faithful. So there's all these Old Testament characters who, by faith, made the vital choice. And now we come to Moses. Moses is one of the most colorful characters in the Bible. He wrote the first five books of scripture, wrote more than anyone else of the scriptures. He was the one who performed more miracles than anybody else apart from Jesus. He delivered the children of Israel from their slavery in the land of Egypt. You remember how he performed his plagues on the Egyptians, God working through him. And so he delivered Israel from Egypt. He formed them into a nation. 
He gave them laws, laws for the individual, laws for the family, laws for the church, laws for the nation. He fed and clothed Israel for 40 years in the wilderness. Was he perfect? No. There's no such thing as a perfect person in the scriptures apart from Christ. There is none good but one, that is God. We know how he sinned. You remember how he lost his temper. Israel were wanting water. And you remember how he struck the rock. On the first time, God commanded him to strike the rock. And the rock was smitten and gave forth water. But then, years later, God told him to speak to the rock. And instead of speaking to the rock, he said, must we bring water out of the rock for you, rebels? And he smote the rock with his rod. But you know, the rock is Christ. And Christ was to be smitten and die only once. So he was wrong, smiting Christ twice. And because of that, he never entered the promised land. He was a bit like the Roman Catholics who are offering Christ in the mass every day. But no, Christ was smitten once. He died once. And then he rose from the dead. No more to die. Never again to die. Christ has suffered. And he triumphed over death. And he is now a mighty savior, mighty to save. So Moses was certainly not perfect. But we see here his refusal. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The story is quite amazing. You remember how he was born a slave. And how the law of the land said that every male Hebrew should be thrown into the Nile. But as his parents looked at him, they saw he was a proper child. They saw that there was something special here. God gave them faith, the gift of faith. And they believed that Moses was to be a deliverer. And so they, they hid him for three months. And then when they could no longer hid, hide him, they decided to cast him out, but in a certain way. To cast him into the Nile, but first of all, they made a little basket for him of bulrushes and pitch. Put Moses in a basket and floated it on the Nile. God was in it all, of course. The Lord was leading and guiding and giving to them the idea as to what they should do. And Mary, Miriam stood by his older sister and Pharaoh's daughter came down and wondered what was in the basket and sent for it. And when the basket was open, Moses cried and God put love into the heart of Pharaoh's daughter, love and compassion. And Miriam came up and said, I'll find a nurse for you. You remember how she brought along her mother, his mother. And Alfira's daughter said, bring up this child for me and I will pay thee wages. And so Moses was trained. Trained in 
Israelite religion and the true religion. And then he was trained later in all the wisdom of the land of Egypt. God had a purpose, a plan for him. And so Pharaoh's daughter adopts him, takes him as her own son. But here we're told, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He refused something, something very privileged, something very high and special and important. He chose rather to be associated with the slaves. The age of 40, you remember how he went out and delivered a Hebrew slave from the Egypt Egyptians. There he was and he had everything before him, a home in the palace, all that this powerful kingdom of Egypt could give him, all the wealth, all the prosperity, all that the earth could offer was his. But at the age of 40, as a mature man, he made a choice. He refused the world. He refused the best that the world could give him. Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. Now, some people would say, Moses, Moses, you mustn't be so black and white about things. Just a little bit of compromise here and there. Just be careful what you say and do. Just think of how secretly you can be such an influence for good and you can help in the palace. Maybe one day you'll be king of Egypt and just think of what you can do for your Hebrew brothers and sisters. A little bit of compromise. But no, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve Christ and the devil. You can't serve the world and heaven. It's your choice. Which will you have? Moses, you're a clown. Be sensible. Be reasonable. Just think of all you're able to enjoy. And you might be able to do some good as well. Don't be such a black and white person. You can't have a foot in both camps. Sadly, there are many in the church today like that, aren't there? So many. And they think that they can be Christians. And live in the world. They think they can be. Christ's people. And the devil's people. At the same time. Are you like that? On, one, on the one hand. Following Christ. And the Christians. And the church. Then through the week. Something different. In your heart, a love for the world, compromising, going with the world in worldly ways. Well, Moses is speaking to you today. 
And he's speaking to me today. Moses refused by faith. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Are you prepared to refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Because you're a child of God. Secondly, we see here Moses' choice. Verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. A big choice, a hard choice. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Now, nobody likes affliction, do they? We don't like pain. We don't like being sick. We don't like being persecuted. We don't like when it hurts. We don't like hardship or poverty. Yet here is Moses, and he's making a choice. A choice to identify with the slaves rather than with Pharaoh's daughter. To be one of the depressed, despised, downtrodden. Those who were under the lash of the taskmasters, who had to work for no money. Those who were hated. Moses made a choice. To suffer affliction with the people of God than, rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Every pleasure was available to Moses, whatever he wanted. The best of food, the best of drink, the best of parties, the best of girls, they were all available to him. Whatever worldly wishes he, he had could be satisfied. Not an easy choice, really, was it? The world can be very magnetic, very attractive, very gripping. And the pleasures of the world can appear so, so exciting. Stolen fruit is always sweeter. But you notice it's pleasures of sin for a season. And that's critical, isn't it? The pleasures of this world are pleasures for a season, for a time. And after time comes eternity. Now, it's very good having pleasures, pleasures for a few years, pleasures for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 100 years, pleasures for 100 years. But then, what then? What then? Whatever more, misery, weeping, wailing, grinding of teeth, agony, torment. 
the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. Who would choose hell rather than heaven? Who would choose eternal misery rather than eternal bliss? The devil always says, pleasures. Have pleasures for a little time. Enjoy them just now. But what you've got to remember is, you never know when death will come. And these pleasures are only for a season. For a little while. The devil says maybe, well, you're young Surely you can go on and pleasure and sin. And you know, there's certain people you know, and they seem to enjoy the best of both worlds. They, they had their fling, and then they were converted, and they became Christians. And so they enjoyed their pleasures, and then they were converted and went to heaven. But how many more there are who enjoy their fling and perish in their fling? To enjoy the pleasures of the world. And before they're converted. Death takes them. They're gone. Gone to meet their maker. Lost. Lost. Lost forever. It's all very well saying, one day I'll make my peace with God. How many people have said that to me over the years? One day I'll, one day Mr. McLeod, I'll take you by surprise. Well, I'm still waiting to be surprised. So many of them I've buried without very much hope. Nice people, good living people, upright people, excellent Pharisees. But they were never converted, never born again. Living for the world, choosing the world, choosing to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter, rather than Moses' choice to suffer affliction with the people of God. Would you choose to be Pharaoh's daughter, or would you choose to identify with God's people Whatever it costs. And then thirdly, we notice here Moses' estimation. Verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. Whatever shame is connected with being a Christian, he esteemed that worth better. Better than to follow the devil. There's a certain shame in being a Christian. And sometimes people will persecute you. And 
I've known what it is myself to be laughed at, mocked, despised, ridiculed, called all sorts of names. It doesn't matter. It all passes. It passes. And then we come to the end of our life. Where is the end of our life to be? Where do we go then? To heaven. To be with the Lord. He steamed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. He despised the treasures of Egypt because he knew they were temporary, superficial, and sinful. They promised to be so great, but they always had a little sting in the tail. And that's the way with so many of the things in this world, the pleasures of this world that seem so exciting. It's a bit like when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden and the snake came to, to Eve and said, look at this fruit. It's so good. It'll make you feel like God. You'll know good and evil. You'll be wonderful if you take it. She took it. She ate it. She gave it to Adam and he did eat. And instead of feeling like God, they felt like the devil. Absolutely miserable and ashamed. And they went and hid themselves and they felt guilty. They thought they would be like God. That's what the devil said, but he's a liar and the father of lies. And he's been promising you all your life. He's been promising you pleasure and the pleasures of the world, but the pleasures of the world always have a sting in the tail. Sin never brings lasting happiness. It's the Christian who has the right to be happy. And that's why Paul said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Fellow Christians, you're the happiest people in the world. You're the richest people in the world. You're the ble most blessed people in the world. God loves you. Christ died for you. The spirit of God dwells in your heart. And the fruit of the spirit is joy. Wonderful being a Christian. It's miserable being a sinner. He steamed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. It's a great reward for standing on the side of Christ. Denying yourself, taking up your cross and following Jesus. And you shall have treasure in heaven. It's a Christian who has the best of both worlds. The Christian has God's presence, God's blessing, God's encouragement, God answering your prayers, God looking after you all the days of your life. And then when your life is over, never another ache or pain or trouble again, but joy unspeakable and for a glory in heaven. Yes, the treasures of Egypt, wealth and money and houses and cars and jewelry and computers and mobile phones and so on, 
but take it all and it's soon gone. It's soon gone. All that the world can offer us. One day soon we're going to leave it all behind. And you see the wealthiest people in the world are seldom the happiest. Wealth brings worries with it. You see the people with all the pleasures of this world and they die and they appear naked before the judge. Depart from me, he cursed. Which is better, to be rich for a few years or to be rich forever, eternally? What's best, to have the pleasures of a few moments? Or the pleasures at God's right hand throughout eternity. So there's a choice. Moses made a choice. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, said Joshua, we will serve the Lord. We know who we'll choose. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, serve him, and if Baal, serve him. How long are you hopping, as it were, from one side of fence to the other? Choose. Choose life. Choose Christ. Choose salvation. Who will you choose tonight? What choice are you making? Are you putting it off again? Are you saying, one day, one day I'll seek the Lord. A day that will never come. Because today is the day for seeking the Lord. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord, for he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Oh, everyone that thirsteth, come ye. Come ye to the waters. Come to Christ, the water of life. Whosoever will, let him take, let him drink of the water of life. Come to Christ. Come and be saved. Come tonight. Come here tonight. Just as you are, come to Christ. Call upon him. Take him as your savior. And you'll never regret it. O oh Lord, our oh God, we thank thee that we have a gospel, good news for perishing men and women. We thank thee that the Lord Jesus Christ died at Calvary and sent out his church to proclaim this gospel to the whole world, to preach it to every creature, and to give that word whosoever, to give it to all, whosoever will let him come. So, Lord, we pray that thou wouldst touch, touch even one heart here tonight.
speak, O Lord, to even one soul, and grant that thou wouldst cause that soul to come to thee tonight, that thou wouldst grant repentance and faith, grant, O Lord, conviction and conversion. We thank thee, O Lord, that whosoever comes unto thee, thou wilt not cast them out. We pray then for thy blessing. Bless thy word to us. And may it dwell with us. May it remain in our hearts and our lives. Forgive us for all our sins. For Jesus' sake. Amen.